Hi, it's Jack Griffin, City Manager here at the City of San Marcos. Welcome to the latest installment of the San Marcos City Podcast. I'm really looking forward to this one because we have a guest coming on who I've had the pleasure of meeting and speaking with a few times, um, and it's always fascinating and an incredibly uh, productive educational experience for me. Um, so our guest is Alan Daly. Um, so before I get into, um, sort of the background that, you know, what Alan brings to the table in terms of, uh, his credentials, um, we met Alan here at the city, um, via the Leadership North County uh, program that Cal State San Marcos runs. Um, and I think um, they're still accepting applications for the 2022 session. Uh, if you go to the Cal State San Marcos website or just uh, Google Leadership North County, it, I think it's the first thing that pops up. Um, it's a fantastic program. It's open to people from all walks of life, sort of targeting emerging leaders in North County. Um, and I think the, the website said over 400 people have gone through the program. And I know um, quite a few people here at the city have uh, had taken advantage of that. Um, so if you're interested in that program, uh, please check it out at the Cal State uh, website. Um, I think the application period uh, for the 2022 session expires on June 18th. So uh, we're doing this uh, podcast on the 14th. So if you listen to it before the 18th and you're interested, please check it out um, and highly encourage and recommend people um, take advantage of that program. So Alan was a speaker um, at one of the sessions of that program a few years ago that a number of my staff uh, had the opportunity to sit in on and they came back to the office and said, Hey Jack, we need to, we need to bring Alan out and have him talk to us because just fascinating stuff. So, um, let me go, uh, before we bring Alan on, just let me sort of walk you through, um, who Alan is and, and his credentials and all that kind of sort of stuff. Uh, he's a professor and director of educational leadership doctoral programs in the department of educational studies at the university of California, San Diego. Uh, Alan's research and teaching have are influenced by his 16 years of public school experience in a variety of instructional and leadership roles. And I think that's really fascinating, you know, that he's got experience both at the um, at the university level and also at the public school uh, level, which is um, certainly gives him a tremendous amount of wide ranging perspective in the educational areas. Um, his research primarily focuses on the role of social networks, leadership, and organizational structures and outcomes at a variety of levels. In support of that, he's published over 150 peer-reviewed journal articles uh, with the vast majority drawing on social network theory and analysis. He's actually published four books. That's, I, you know, I, I, everybody probably, well, not everybody, but some people from every once in a while say, but wouldn't it be interesting to write a book? And then, you know, 99.999% of the people who think that never do it. Um, so here's someone who's actually written four. Um, and they're entitled Social Network Theory and Educational Change. Using Research Evidence in Schools, Thinking and Acting Systematically, Improving School Districts Under Pressure, and Leading Holistically. He's published over 200 peer-reviewed papers at international conferences, and his research has garnered over millions of dollars in support from a variety of foundations, as well as international, national, and state government funding. And he was most recently the chair of the Department of Education Studies at and a Fulbright Scholar in New Zealand and South Africa. 
Um, so it's kind of amazing that uh, someone like Alan sort of crossed our path uh, uh, here, you know, relatively medium to small size city in San, in San Diego County. Um, but um, we were able to have Alan come out um, and a few years ago and speak uh, to our executive team. Um, and then we did about two years ago, I think it was, yeah, it was, I think it was 2019. He came out and spoke to our uh, middle manager and up group. And um, he's just got such interesting perspective and thoughts on how organization organizations function and structure from a people perspective um, and ideas on how that um, how organizations can improve, how they can recognize maybe holes in their um, internal structures. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating to hear Alan's perspective on what it's going to look like for organizations like ours that are mostly, um, you leave police and, or fire and public works out of it, mostly office driven. And there's obviously lots of conversation in a post pandemic world after everybody who's been in the office environment for the past year, so many people have been working virtually and from home. Um, so it's going to be really interesting what his thoughts are on, um, how he sees organizations moving in this changing environment of how we do work that can be done remotely and from virtually any place. So um, with that, I'll be bringing Alan on in a second and I hope you enjoy it. And as much as I'm sure I'm going to and find it to be both educational and entertaining. So we're now joined by Alan Daly. Alan, how you doing? Thanks very much for joining the podcast. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. I've heard so many great things about the podcast I would feel at a loss if I didn't join in. Wow. I love that. And so you're going to reach out to all of your peers in the educational industry, and we're going to triple or quadruple our listenership in, the, in a single day, I'm sure. You know what I love about you, Jack? You actually assume that I have people that would listen <laughs> to me. So let's, we're just going to, we're going to go with that. Well, cool. So, Alan, um, so I did a little pre-introduction uh, so we don't have to go through all your stuff, but um, I sort of wanted to um, – let people know why we were talking to you and what you've sort of done for us. And so, um, you know, we wanted to sort of pick your brain as we've done in the past um, on sort of organizational uh, structures and process and, and strengths and weaknesses and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's become so obvious in the past year as we sort of emerged from uh, this pandemic and people start coming back to work that the, 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 the work environment's changed. And so I was really interested to sort of pick your brain about where you – you know, what you see as, as some of the opportunities and maybe the pitfalls of this virtual working and how you think organizations are going to try and handle that. Great. So wait, just to be clear, Jack, this isn't the food and wine podcast. Um, yeah, we'll do that one next. Okay. Okay. Okay, uh, okay. Okay. And, good. And, we'll start and, with the organizational we'll, one. And we'll bring beer into that one too. Oh, okay. This is once again, the reason I wanted to be on this podcast, not just for your wonderful company, but for the beer, wine and sangria. There you go. Um, so, yep. so what do you think, um, in terms of how organizations come back to work and people start to come back into the, the work environment from working at home so much? What are some of the challenges you see organizations really having to um, sort of wrestle with to, uh, I don't know, to re-institute um, what was a pretty, you know, normal work environment? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Jack. I mean, uh, as you probably mentioned uh, in the intro, I'm a professor of education and I study social networks and interpersonal interactions within organizations. We've primarily been doing that work in the education space, but increasingly in a variety of other uh, organizational settings like 
healthcare and cities and nonprofit and profit organizations. Um, so I think one, one thing we have to get our heads around is that no matter where we find ourselves, we're involved in these people systems. And we've always been involved in people systems. It's just that I think pre-pandemic, it's not clear to me that we're paying as much attention to the people part of it. We're paying far more attention to the systems part of it. And what I mean by that is that a lot of organizations and a lot of different sectors were really hung up on what we call the human capital element of their work. So the human capital element is about um, the sort of technical elements of the work that you're doing. So, you know, what you're doing, what you're producing, uh, the standard operating procedures about what you're following, and all of that stuff is increasingly important. And we sort of gave second-hand attention, I think, to what we call the social capital component. And the social capital is all about our relationships, the, both the quantity and the quality of those relationships. We just sort of made the assumption that people could kind of figure this stuff out if left to their own devices. And, you know, forward-thinking leaders and folks that are developing organizations recognize that actually you have to really lean into work and development and capacity building around social capital. So I think pre-COVID, we were really hooked on the technical elements of the work and we sort of background the social elements of the work. Now, having, you know, entered this pandemic, endured it, hopefully coming out the other side of it, I think all of us are really recognizing the critical nature of the social relational elements of organizations. And I want to make the argument that as organizations come back to work and they come back online, that what we need to do actually is to flip the script is to lead with the relational elements and follow with the technical standard operating procedure elements. So it doesn't mean that we do one and we abandon the other like we often do in organizations, but rather we think really carefully about how we integrate the two. Hmm. Well, that makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense um, because I do think that, um, you know, different people, as people come back to work, there's going to be um, levels of, I think, comfort, um, and, um, you know, either, I don't want to say excitement, but level you know, comfort and willingness, um, um, to do that. I mean, I think some people that, um, are going to be more concerned about coming back in and interacting directly with people and, and what have you. Um, I'm also wondering if there's a, a bit of a generational, uh, aspect to this, because I, I think about myself as, you know, someone, you know, pretty 30 plus years into a career, um, and, um, I want to be at work. I don't want to do work from someplace else. I want to be at work. Um, and I want to sort of enjoy that social piece of it. Um, but I also think that there's probably a, a, an aspect of maybe folks earlier in their career, um, that are, you know, are so used to being looking at a screen, whether it's social media or whatever. Um, and they're perfectly comfortable, not we're operating in, um, that sort of more social environment. And I kind of go back to, um, when you first came and visited and talked to our executive team and, you know, the analysis that you had done and the, the, the interviewing stuff that you had done was to identify people who were most connected within our organization to one another. <clears throat> and it feels like that getting those connections back is going to be really key. Um, but I also think the folks who probably had less connections are really going to struggle to make connections as they come back if they really enjoyed that not being in the office environment. Yeah. But, I mean, you raised some really uh, many important points on that one, Jack. I think the 
let me just address like one thing that I think is in the ether for folks that are leading organizations and managing cities and managing other sectors. Uh, and then I want to connect to some research based on what you're talking about. So, you know, th- there's, um, there's a, you know, a lot of talk about returning to the new normal, all right? The, the, whatever this normal business is. And I think there's, I think what folks that are, you know, running organizations and thinking about managing organizations, I think what they have to think about is that we can all agree that there are elements about our organizations that maybe weren't so productive or efficient or didn't help employees to flourish before the pandemic, right? We're operating this much more technical mindset. Perhaps we were taken, <clears throat> we were taken for granted our you know conversations around the water cooler or whatever it might be. And I think one of the one of the opportunities and struggles that managers have right now is that there will be an enormous inertia of the system to return to things the way they've always been. That will bring comfort to people. But it turns out some of those things ain't so good. <laughs> so we actually a system will pull itself back to be in homeostasis. It's out, it's out of balance right now, right? So there's going to be an enormous vacuum that will pull organizations and pull systems and pull leaders back to just replicating the way that things were because that will feel comfortable, safe, and familiar. If we do that, I think we run the risk of missing the opportunity to actually do some fundamental rethinks on the way that we work together. And just even raising that kind of a dialogue with our colleagues and with our employees and with our communities, that we actually have a chance to reimagine what the work could be. So, for example, like just to sort of bring this home, we've, you know, in many ways, we've like, um, I don't, do you remember food trucks? I'm going to somehow return this to a food and wine podcast. <laughs> but do you remember food? Do you remember food trucks back in the day? Sure. What did they? Do you remember what they used to call them? Uh, roach coaches. Yeah, a roach coach, right? Yeah. Now, like, this is, when a food truck pulls up, it's like a fine dining experience. It's like a right. big night out on the town, right? And so what's happened is we've reimagined the food truck. It's still a food truck, right? It's still delivering food from point A to point B to people that are at the work site or wherever they might be. We've reimagined it. We've reimagined our car back seats into taxis through Uber. We reimagined our spare bedrooms into hotel rooms through Airbnb. For God's sakes, we even reimagined almonds into milk <laughs> or oats into milk, oats, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're, we're in this time to say it's still oats, it's still almonds, it's still your back spare bedroom where your kid went off to college, it's still your dirty Camry back seat. But now we've reimagined this into being new and amazing things. And that's, I think, the challenge for leadership, right, is to reimagine what the future can be. So I just want to address that point because I think this is going to be one of the biggest challenges that face leaders upon this return. The second point, I think, should I, you want me to pause there and, and you no, can no, react to no, it? Or should I no, we're, I'm just, I'm just observing at the moment. So. <laughs> oh boy, turn, turn your eyes away, my friend, um, and your ears, but not the listeners. You can all keep listening. Um, and I, I, so here's the other point. This is a typical thing that happens in organizations, regardless of the sector, that there's often uh, either or thinking. So we sort of enter things and we say we should have either open workspaces or everyone should have their own office. We should have um, we should only have healthy snacks in the vending machine or have all like um, 
I don't know, flaming hot Cheetos <laughs> brought to you by Cheetos. <laughs> you, 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 you've got this either or thinking that happens. And I guess what I want to encourage leaders as we come back is to engage in some both and thinking. So the question to me in the research that we've been doing isn't whether you should do online or offline, right? Whether we shouldn't all be staring at screens or coming and chatting with each other um, over our desks or meeting together in conference rooms. The question is, when does it make most sense for the organization in which you are finding yourself to be face-to-face? And when does it make most sense for folks to engage in these virtual spaces? When we ask that question, we suddenly opens up a host of possibilities and a host of context-specific responses, right? So for your work in which you're working with just an immensely talented group of folks that require you to be together to innovate and to think carefully, that perhaps that means most of the time you're going to be engaging in face-to-face exchanges and perhaps less than the online. But perhaps there's other divisions or units that could actually do some of their work in this online environment and want to do the work in this online environment. So I think two big challenges are going to face leaders as we return. One, the sort of suck of the system, the inertia to pull things back to quote unquote normal. And secondly, either or thinking, right? As opposed to engaging in both and thinking. So, you know, this has to do with polarity leadership, right? We don't all... When we start sort of making these polls, we might miss options that are actually open to us that we didn't realize. That's right. Yeah, one of the things that I've always, or we've been talking about as as we're coming back, is this sort of recapturing sort of those creative moments that, you know, sometimes they're unplanned often. And, you know, it's, you know, you can't always, just because you're in a meeting doesn't mean it's going to result in sort of a creative solution or even a creative discussion. Sometimes that happens, you know, so impromptu. um, And that if you're not physically together in the same place and seeing people, you're just, you know, you, you lose so much of the opportunity for that. And I think that after, you know, a year plus of, of meetings, watching little squares of people like the Brady Bunch opening in screen on the screen. Um, it, everyone sort of, um, I mean, zoom was great for a while. Um, but now every zoom session feels like the exact same session as the last session. Cause it looks yeah. exactly the same. And I, I think the, you know, your ability to pay attention and think, um, and, and, and really be involved in the conversations a challenge. Um, so I, I've, you know, I think that getting people back in the workplace and, and having sort of that opportunity to be, um, have a, a, an unrelated conversation to a subject that leads to a creative idea about something else is, is yeah. something you got to find a way to get back to. I also was, it's interesting. You talked about, you know, the, the physical, uh, in, environment of the workspace, because prior to the pandemic, you know, all the rage was open office space, shared spaces, you know, the, the, the co-op work and, you know, not so much in the city, but, you know, there's some of those in, in our, in the city where, you know, different companies sharing same conference rooms and all that sort of stuff. And, um, it's going to be very interesting. I think coming back, how the level of comfort people are going to have to, to go back into that, or they're going to want a little bit more of a structured quote unquote protected environment. Um, and not yeah. be as exposed to so many uh, people or sort of randomly. It's, I, yeah. Because we, you know, we had yeah. been talking with some of our younger staff <laughs> had been pushing us for that kind of a co-op environment. So I wonder if they come back, if, if those folks will have that same perspective. Yeah. Boy, it's just really, I could talk to you for hours about this. So I think the couple of things come to mind here. Um, one is like the sort of interesting experience that we collectively shared, which is like, 
the weaponization of the stranger, right? <laughs> Meaning that like, you would, remember you would go out for, you'd go out to the grocery store and you'd be in a hazmat suit and you would look at everybody suspiciously. And if yeah. their, you know, their mask wasn't above their nose, you, you held everyone in suspicion in a way. And in some ways after enduring that for a year and a half, we've all kind of slightly pulled away because the other is seen as a weapon or potential weapon. Right. Um, and so I, I think there's going to have to be some slow buildup to where we can start doing that cross pollinization again, where we don't see the other as a threat or as a danger. And, you know, as more and more of us are vaccinated and we come back and we start really leaning into the science about what this says, I think that slowly will, will come around a little bit more. But I think, you know, we have to recognize that this is something that we've been acting and living into for the last year and a half. It's not just going to turn off when a, when a switch flips and we all head back to the office. I think that the second point that you were making uh, shows up in our research quite um, in a very pronounced way. Uh, and so I want to just address this notion around, I'm going to call it a sense of belonging. And I think as, as we're talking to our leaders and maybe they're listening or the folks that are working or whoever folks are that are listening, that, you know, we've got to be aware of the inner show system. We've got to be doing this sort of both and thinking. We also have to be really aware of the importance of a sense of belonging. And the literature around a sense of belonging is really clear. The empirical evidence is really clear that a sense of belonging is something very deeply human to all of us. And it's really important to feel that, that organizational cultures have a disproportionate influence over an employee's sense of belonging to the organization, which is really pretty phenomenal. So it means that the kinds of organizations that we want to create and recreate and reimagine as we come back together are going to be ones in which we're weaving in a sense of belonging and a sense of community because people are aching for that. In a big research study that we did, we looked at um, a school district and the sets of interactions between leaders in that school district. And we noted, as you mentioned earlier on in our conversation, that there's some people that were key connectors, key brokers, really key important people that were building those kinds of relationships. We saw those. We also saw people that were on the periphery. But in this study, we also did something quite interesting. We looked at their activity in online spaces at the same time. So we had both the, I call it on-ground sets of interactions, as well as the offline sets of interactions. Or, excuse me, on-ground sets of interactions and online sets of interactions, right? So you, you get the both together, right? And so what we found interestingly was that folks that were peripheral in the face-to-face spaces actually were seeking out community in these virtual spaces. So in other words, the the takeaway message here is that people are going to search for community and for a sense of belonging. The question for leadership and managers and folks that are developing organizations is to what degree are you intentionally and strategically creating a sense of belonging for the folks that are in your organization. That's the work of leadership because that incorporates the social element that we were talking about earlier. It incorporates the community element. We build high levels of trust. People are able to be safe with one another, to be vulnerable, and to share new and interesting ideas. And that might get at some of the creativity and innovation you were discussing earlier. And that's really interesting because I think that, you know, every organization is going to have um, a cadre of its employees that are extroverts and want 
to get back and they're ready to rip the masks off. And, um, and I'm, I'm fairly introverted, but my joke in the office this morning was it's June 15th somewhere. Um, and tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow is the day that the masks go away. We're all told in California, um, if you've been vaccinated. So, um, but I think that you're, it's going to be very interesting, um, sort of a balancing environment for a while as some people are totally ready to move on and there's going to be a group of people that are a little slower to that um, and not having them feel undue pressure to, um, to, to meet with the, the desires of the folks that are ready to move on. I, I, I want to, th- I mean, I'll throw you a little curveball. Um, sure. I'm, I'm curious um, what you think, cause you got so much experience in education and, you know, and, and my kids up and out of school. And so it's not something I need to personally worry about. I'm, but I'm curious about how you think this sort of plays these kinds of issues play with the students, especially the younger kids mm-hmm. who've been so mm-hmm. kept apart from each other for so long and what that's going to look like for them coming back. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, not a curveball at all because it's, it's just another kind of a people system, right? Yeah. Um, just littler people. I think just a couple of things that are going on because probably many of your listeners, you know, have kids or kids that are in school or, you know, have had some, they had some education experience themselves. Um, and this sense of belonging again is actually, if you look at the literature, even more important for kids and, and it's been disrupted, uh, quite honestly, during this time period. You know, I think one of the big things you hear a lot about uh, in the education space is this idea around learning loss, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all this sort of quote-unquote lost time. But I think what people are also forgetting is that there was also some learning gain during this time period, right? People, uh, kids are home with their families. Families were, in some cases, were doing things together. Kids are having different kinds of experiences. They were um, learning new and different kinds of things, perhaps about the family or the culture or the way the world is or current events or whatever it might be. And so there's just been a host of different learning that's happened. And so I think if we, if when kids start coming back, we sort of reframe that learning loss to like different kinds of learning, then we actually have the opportunity again to open up some new spaces and some new conversations. But I think you're right that, um, you know, because it's not, it's not just the academic routines that we're learning when we go to school, right? We're learning how to, you know, all that stuff, all those citizenship and behavior grades that most people have ignored, yeah. those turn out to be really important, right? And, and kids and grownups have not had as much chance to practice and refine those skills because we've been so isolated. So I think it's going to be increasingly important, perhaps not in the ways that people traditionally thought about it, like, oh my God, we're so far behind in math and language and all that, but rather that, boy, we've got a lot of ground to make in terms of helping folks to learn how to socialize together, also respecting spaces where people aren't ready to engage. For some proportion of the population of kids, this um, this environment has actually been great for them. They've blossomed uh, because school is a painful place for them or they felt like they didn't connect or they were just extreme introverts and it just took so much energy because school privileges the extrovert, right? And so for some kids, this has been a godsend for them. They don't have to endure bullying and pain and challenges and all the other stuff that makes school a challenging place. So, I think, again, this is sort of my, my story and I'm sticking to it, that we've got to be thinking about both ands here. And and things aren't as 
sort of clear as they may initially on the surface appear. And because of that, we as leaders have an opportunity to really engage and to just have these kinds of dialogues in our conversation. Like, can you imagine if folks that were all the folks that were listening to your podcast right now just started engaging with their own employees and their own colleagues in the same kind of talk we're talking about? Like, what does it look like to come back? What is it going to, what's going to help you? What's going to nurture you? Where do you feel like you belong? I think just those kind of conversations could catalyze tremendous transformation within organizations themselves. So it's, it's not, I know people can feel overwhelmed when it comes to, you know, these big reentries and what are we going to do about our organization? I know that can feel oppressive at times and, and feel like, how the heck can we do this? But it turns out that the small micro exchanges that we have in organizations with each other, these small good mornings or these small jokes we have or these small smiles or little opportunities to recognize somebody, that's the stuff that changes organizations. It isn't necessarily these big, oh, huge, like we suddenly have to develop a brand new operating manual. It comes down to our ability to really connect with each other on a deep and authentic human level. I think that's, that's, that's right. It's, and it's, it's, I don't say it's hard, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where it, it, it requires just diligence and constant attention um, yeah. because it's easy to slip back to checking the boxes of the tasks you need to get done. And if, and if folks are doing that, then that's great. But you're, if you're not paying attention to the other part of that, which is the bigger part of it, um, they check the boxes better and faster if they feel like they're part of a cohesive organization and, and, a, and a social network within their workspace. And also, just to, as you were mentioning about the school, it occurred to me, um, and, and this is why I love talking to you, because I have sort of these revelatory moments in my own life. I don't remember a single thing that I learned in first, second, third, fourth grade even. Um, you know, you learn stuff and you move on. But I can remember very distinct experiences in those years at recess or at lunchtime or all that sort of stuff. It was all the social stuff where the memorable stuff happens that probably, um, you know, is part of who you become. Um, and the educational part just becomes sort of the, the baseline stuff. And so, um, it'll be really interesting as the kids get fully back into school, hopefully in a normal setting, how they, they sort of reestablish that, I mean, like you said, the ones that sort of struggle with school, whether um, this time away has given them a chance to maybe get more comfortable when they come back. That'll be a, an interesting thing for, for folks who do what you do, I think, to study over the next five to 10 years of what the real um, the impacts of all this has been. Yeah, I think this is right, Jack. And I think, again, if, if leaders are thinking about the things you and I have been talking about and that you as a leader sort of intuitively sense then kids will have an even better opportunity. And I just, I just want to underscore this point you made about like the moments of recess. It's sort of like, you know, we have these, you know, we tell people, okay, it's, an, it's important to go to college because you can learn all manner of things. And I'm going to, I'm just going to take a guess here. It, uh, okay. I won't take a guess. I'll just use myself as personal experience. When I, before I went to college, I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to learn a lot of really interesting stuff. But it turns out, which I did, okay? <laughs> all, those, all those out in the world, uh, it's like my education was legitimate and healthy. Okay, full stop there. But I didn't know the importance of a beer bong. And I didn't know about like, I didn't know about like how important it was to, you know, build these relationships. And I didn't know how important it was to be on like intramural crappy flag football teams. It turns out that 
I was no different than a kindergartner, that the research recess experiences that I had were as important <laughs> as anything else that I had in college, right? So those recess moments in college uh, were equally important, or maybe even in some ways more important to my own socialization as a human being and my ability as a scholar to think and to study these things. So I think, again, this sort of underscores the point that I know you've lived into as a leader and the leaders in San Marcos have lived into. It, it's this idea that we've got to lead with the social bit because it turns out that's super sticky. It doesn't mean that the rest of it isn't important. Of course it is. But these kinds of moments, when you reflect back on your life, you're thinking about the social interaction moments that you had. And those are the things that stick with you. And so now imagine we do like you do in San Marcos, that we actually create the conditions for people to really lead into that and to recognize it's valued by the organization. Can you imagine what we can do just amazing things? That's right. Well, I really, really appreciate you, uh, your time. So before um, we say um, goodbye, I wanted to, what, what are you doing now? What, what's, what kind of cool projects are you working on at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, is this where we open up the food and wine yeah. thing? Or yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, this, is, this is the no holds barred part. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, let's see. I'll do the I'll do the not so interesting bit that do the bit that I think would be interesting. So first of all, I'm I'm looking for a job as a bon vivant. So if anyone would like to hire somebody that could just sit around and chit chat, <laughs> I'm, I'm available. Maybe a podcast <laughs> co-host. It doesn't pay very well, but I'm happy to bring you on. <laughs> Well, it brings me much joy just to chat. So, uh, so anyway, so if anyone's searching for a bowl you want, I'm immensely available. <laughs> I'm sure the offers won't come <laughs> rolling right. into that too fast. Uh, but if they do, uh, we can start our own ball vivant company. But nice. in the interim, while I'm waiting for that offer to come in from your thousands of listeners, what I will tell you I'm doing is I'm doing a lot more work now in the social media space around social networks. So. We've been um, actually interestingly doing some work around breastfeeding, which may seem strange given my background, even though I did have a good experience with it about 50 years ago or so. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and so, uh, luckily and not luckily, my mom's passed away, so she doesn't have to endure this kind of humiliation that her son reg- regularly puts it. Um, but the we were we've been looking at the ways that uh, information and misinformation moves through social networks, particularly around um, breastfeeding, and so trying to understand those social networks and who the connections are, and so trying to think about how we can apply some of that learning to you know the pandemic and what we can learn, and then with that, I've been doing also you know looking at social uh, networks of educational leaders over the past couple of years and how they're interacting in this virtual space and. And while there is a fair amount of cat videos and you know who you are, um, <laughs> there, and there's also, of course, some like troll garbage out there, there's an enormous amount of folks just connecting with other folks and giving and receiving of information and knowledge and resources to help them make through, to help them make it through the day. This pandemic has thrown everybody for a loop and we saw immense amounts of sense of community being developed online in online spaces between leaders from different parts of the world, really saying, Hey, we've got a common foe here. So let's come together and try to figure this out. So, in an interesting, weird twist, even though I share with you some of my concerns about social media and these online spaces, um, it turns out 
for a vast number, vast majority of people, these were spaces in which people felt safe, in which they were giving of their own spirit, of their own knowledge, of their own information, and sharing that widely and without any looking for any kind of recognition or compensation. And so in some weird way, I saw the best of who we are as human beings showing up in the online spaces. And that, I have to say, Jack, in addition to talking with you, is the other thing that filled my heart with joy. <laughs> wow. That's, that's pretty high praise for your podcast host. I appreciate that very much, Alan. Yeah, well, well, well earned. And it's just been a real pleasure time with you. you as, as much as I'm glad that um, you get something out of our conversations, I get an enormous amount of the chance when we get to talk. And I miss our chat, so it, this is a really wonderful way to reconnect. Well, thanks very much, and we look forward to uh, getting together. We'll come up and we'll sample some San Marcos breweries. Um, and look forward to spending some time with you. But Alan, thanks very much. We really appreciate you, your time and being willing to come on and, and, and help us understand some about where we're going as, we, as the world moves on. So thank you. Yeah, it's been my sincere pleasure. Thanks a lot, Jack. All right, see you later. Thanks again to Alan Daly for joining us. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed that and found it as uh, interesting and enlightening. Alan's always a uh, He's, a, he's just a fabulous guy to, to just sit around and talk with and uh, just find him endlessly interesting. Um, so thanks for joining uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, if you have subscribed, thanks very much. If you haven't subscribed, please do. Let a friend know we're doing a podcast. If you have any uh, comments or suggestions, please reach out to us at San da- or I'm sorry, podcast at san-marcos.net. That's podcast at san-marcos.net. And we appreciate your uh, paying attention and staying with us and look forward to furthering the conversation about San Marcos down the road. See ya. <laughs>